Welcome to Friars on the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and right in front of me is Roy. How are we doing this week? It's been a weird week. It's been a busy week for me personally at work, and then you know I went up to the Cali League All Star Game, and we're going to do a separate. Uh, I'm going to do the interviews. I did an interview there. I'm going to do interviews tomorrow. We're recording this on Friday, uh, so we're going to do a whole separate episode on it. So I don't want to go deep, but just know too deep. Just know that it is was a blast. Uh, Steve and the whole 66ers Inland Empire organization is first class. They were super cool. And I can't wait to talk more about it in the next episode, but I want us to get into this stuff here today. Nice. Well, I'm glad that you were able to do that. That's a pretty cool thing. It was very cool. I'm a little jealous. That was last Tuesday. Uh, we weren't able to break away and get up there for it. Um, you had to be up there a little bit earlier because it's Inland Empire. It was that Rancher Bernard... Um, San Bernardino? San Bernardino. Yeah, so that's another like 45 minutes an hour past Lake Elsinore. Well, and, and here's the here's the thing uh, about that is like I made all those plans and then like the next day, Logan Allen was like called up and like he's going to start on Tuesday. I'm like, ah, but yeah. Oh, yeah, we were going to go to the game on Monday um, because we thought Chris Paddock was going to be starting and that's before he was you know, option down for, to skip a start basically. Yeah. Uh, and then we found out that Logan Allen was coming up and Angela has been following Logan closely this whole time since, since he came he to the organization. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so it was really cool. It was an amazing, it's a fantastic game. It was a really good show. I mean, just as far as what was going on around the ballpark, there was a good energy in the place. It was a packed house for a Tuesday night. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it, that was a great game. I'm glad we were able to go, but because of that, we skipped the, you know, all-star game it was funny the tuesday i was up there and like okay it's about ready to start okay then i kind of forgot i got busy i was in the camera well taking pictures or whatever and i looked on my phone all right he's got through one inning no you know no hits or like two hits or whatever and all right he went through three innings all right he went through four innings it's like holy shit he's doing he's doing really well yeah he was, he was good it, yeah he wasn't racking up a ton of k's he was he drew a couple of double plays he got himself into a couple of little jams and worked right out of it yeah. but he looked composed poised comfortable confident all the stuff that you want to see from a what 22 year old kid making his mlb yeah. debut yeah and so stoked i'm just so happy about that but let's let's uh let's get on to the minor league stuff and uh, the batting leadoff here so this Lo- logan allen is 21 for the record 21 right he just he yeah oh, no no he's 22 he's 22 okay i'm getting conflicting information <laughs> You'd have to do your math when he was like, "We don't work in alcohol, so you don't know what the cutoff date for twenty one is." Yeah, I don't have the sign up on the wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God, what is that? Like ninety six? Maybe you have to be born in ninety eight. I couldn't even tell you. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and I had my twenty year anniversary last year, so yeah, that would be right. Nineteen ninety eight. Twenty year reunion. I mean. <laughs> um, okay, so back back to batting leadoff. What we should have brought up a long time ago, June is uh, it's Pride Month. Mm-hmm. It's Pride Month. And one of the cool things that I've noticed of uh, minor league baseball and, and a lot of organizations, a lot of corporations, but particularly because it's a minor league, I've seen it in minor league ball clubs, is they're having their Pride Nights. They're, having, they're changing their avatar for their Twitter profile. I follow all these teams on Twitter um, into a rainbow. So it'd be like the, uh, you know, the storm it's, uh, you know, in a rainbow uh, background, um, all the other minor league teams that I follow several of them, most of them, almost all, not all, but uh, several of them have that, have the, uh, have the rainbow. Um, it kind of like the rainbow logo in the background of their, of their, uh, of their avatars. And, 
I love it. I, I, I love the diversity. I love that um, that they're doing this. Uh, it is, uh, you know, minor league baseball, they're not, it's not forcing, before you go get up in the like, they're just forcing their lifestyle on me. No, it's, they're identifying someone in the community. They are acknowledging them in the community. They're not forcing any kind of agenda. It's, they have secretary night. They've well, got firefighter night. They've on, got on, like, on some level, it's a marketing thing, right? Inclusion, I mean, yeah, yeah, because they're trying to they're trying to market toward different demographics, and it, acceptance is important. And so, where my mind tends to, starts to go on this stuff, I wonder when. So, Billy Bean, former Padres player, after he retired, he came out and said that he was gay, and yeah. that he was gay throughout his major league career. I don't know at what point he realize that about himself whether that was before he became a professional or at some point but he was an active major league baseball player who was also homosexual and if you hear a story then let me stop you there if you hear a story he talks about the absolute fear the absolute like just come like he had to be he had to keep it quiet yeah he had to be one of the guys he couldn't you know yeah and so uh, to my knowledge nobody has come out as a as a player, major league or minor league, so I wonder when that time is going to come that somebody's going to come out and say I'm gay, and then continue to have a successful career. Right. I think and, I remember an NBA player coming out and saying that he's gay. I think it was a football player also. Okay. And it was like a lineman. It wasn't like some like it was like a quarterback. You know. I yeah. Hate to be, I hate to be you know that silly like it's a wide receiver or a tight end. It was like a, a lineman like. This is who I am. Yeah, but what it's going to take is somebody who's a really good player. Yeah. You know, not a fringe player who, right. if there's if there's bias, if there's any kind of scandal or skepticism or whatever, then he gets effectively blackballed. It's going to take somebody who's actually good right. and deserves to be on the team based on merit, and there's no question about it. Yeah. And then they can't really, you know, they can't work around it. You know, and I hope that time comes soon because it, it, it's – and we'll just, I, you know, I don't want it to go too deep into this, but because there's going to be that whole first guy that does it. Yep. And all that that entails. But um, then after the first guy, there's a second, there's a fifth, right. there's a tenth, there's a. Right. At some point, you quit losing count. Yeah. Like we know that Jackie Robinson was the first African American major league baseball player yeah. since like the 1860s. Yeah. And then you know about like Don Newcomb and Roy Campanella and some of the other guys that were blazing the paths in different leagues with different Dolby. organizations. I think Larry Doby. Yeah. But at some point it's just becomes another ball player. Yeah. And it and now we 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 know where the players come from, what country that you know maybe they're Latin, maybe they're from a certain state or whatever, but we don't focus on that so much. They're right. just baseball players. Right. So my take on it, as long as we're applying labels to things, it 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 tends to to propagate some sort of division. Yeah. So if you're looking yeah. at somebody as the first African American president, okay, cool. Obama was the first African American president. If you want to put a label on it, but at some point we're not gonna. It's not gonna matter what the color of the skin is, right. where they come from. Right. He is a president, a CEO, a professional baseball player. It doesn't matter, right. male, female, gay, straight whatever if you can swing it bring it that's right that's right <laughs> you know I, and, and so I, I just wanted to bring that up and and that's awesome but let's move on uh hudson head signed 
for $3 million. Third, okay, so tell me about this because you had the tracker. I, I heard yeah. it. I think, someone, I think you had texted me or I, so, I saw it somewhere. So his slot, he was drafted in the third round. When he was drafted, he most of the national publications had him ranked way beyond that. Right. Um, so he was selected ahead of what the rankings said, which would normally tell you that he's an underslot kind of a pick, meaning that he would sign for less than the slot value. The slot value of his selection was like 720 grand. I don't have my numbers up in front of me. It, it, that's what it was, yeah. So that that would tell you that maybe he'll sign for less. Maybe he'll sign for a half a million. But then he's a commit to Oklahoma State, I believe it was. And to break those college commitments, it takes a little bit more. And I started hearing things that he was going to ask for a lot more. Right. So at first I was thinking maybe he was going to pull like a million and a quarter, a million and a half, something like that. And then I saw somebody at Padres Farm, at Padres underscore farm, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, he said it was in the $2 million range, which I, it seemed high, but you know, there must be something going on. And then I see the $3 million number. It's... I don't know what is involved in the negotiations of of that. I know yeah. they don't want to let him not sign because if he doesn't sign, the team loses that slot value. And for a third rounder, I don't think there's any compensation for the next year. If they don't sign a first round pick, there's a com- compens- compensatory pick that they get the next year. Okay. There's rules around all of that. And there's, right. there's a lot of regulations about they have to offer a minimum of certain percentage of the slot value, blah, blah, blah. But for a third rounder, I don't think that necessarily applies. So it's it's kind of a head scratcher. But yeah. then at the same time, he's he's a 18 year old center fielder. He's got the frame and the build and all of this. I guess he didn't compete in these showcases, so there isn't a whole lot of track record. Right. They say that he's kind of a pop up, and I was I was hearing Mason House like a couple years ago. They drafted Mason House. He was yeah. out of Texas and an athletic looking kid. Crushed his competition, but he was playing against inferior. Players, right, 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 and he got tall and strong his senior year, and that's what the term pop up is—that he wasn't followed throughout his earlier years, and then all of a sudden, this kid shows up, and he's on the national radar. He grows like three inches in a year, and you're yeah. like, "Holy cow!" Well, and we've come to find that the Padres tend to go for those guys because the athletic um, high upside. Mackenzie Gore. There was an interview that I was hearing with Mackenzie Gore, and he was saying that when he was like a junior sophomore in high school, he was like five nine, five ten. Yeah, and then all of a sudden he grew. A whole bunch but he learned to develop his leg kick because he needed to use his lower body to drive to generate power yeah this to generate velocity before he had long levers yeah and then all of a sudden so now he's got the mechanics he knows how to pitch and then he grows and generates the long levers and puts on a bunch of weight and 85 becomes 93 and now you're looking at a legit dude so it sounds like hudson head has a little bit of that in him that he grew he got stronger all of a sudden he's looking really good there's not a ton of track record he hasn't competed against top level competition but the Padres must see something in this kid right to pay it's worth paying three million dollars we were trying to get save that money and we we're you know we were always trying to save that money to get the other guy the other um Maurice Hampton Maurice Hampton yeah and so it at the on the day of the draft the Maurice Hampton thing it sounded like they were saying that like they want to get to know the guy right. and I don't so he's going to go, he's drafted, he's not going to sign, he's going to go to college, and then I believe two years later, he's eligible to come back into the draft as a college junior. Going maybe into his junior years. year, yeah. Going into his junior year, okay. So maybe two years from now, he comes back and he happens to be in that slot in the first round when the Padres are ready to take him. Okay. Or maybe he's fallen and they're thinking about taking him later on. Right, this right. gives them some time to kind of feel the kid out and go, okay, what's it like to negotiate with this kid? Because we really like him, and if he comes around in a couple of years... We want to talk to him again. Yeah. 
So anyway, the money, so that $3 million ate up most of what they had left over. They're only going to have a few hundred grand left when they're done with the top 10. Um, Drake Fellows is still playing in Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is in the NCAA College World Series. Yeah. So they need to wait until he's done with his series to be able to talk to him. And it sounds like he's going to sign for a little over his slot. So the math I was looking at, it's like somewhere around like three, four, five hundred grand is what I think they're going to have All when right. they're done. All right. So now they've signed a whole bunch of the 11 through 40 round guys for under 125K. They haven't gone over that on anybody yet. And there's like a dozen guys left. That's when they went with all the a lot of pitcher guys, a lot of senior fourth year senior pitchers. Yeah. So like, you want to play more? Okay, then let's just sign for a bucket of balls. Yeah, the guy signed in round thirty nine and forty signed for five grand each. Yeah, one of them was Cole Roberts, Dave Roberts' kid. No, wait, was it Cole Roberts? No, it was Hoffman, Dylan Hoffman. Yeah, Glenn Hoffman's son. He's gonna he's gonna be a professional ball player for the Padres organization. Nice. He's got a chip in a chair. He has a chance. What, right, chip in a chair. What do they call? It? Do they call it a heritage pick. I thought I saw something. It's like a. Well, legacy so, pick was it so a legacy pick a, that they call a those? legacy pick is kind of just the it, it's like a gesture. It's a nice okay. gesture that okay, we're going to pick the kid, but is he really going to play? I think they did that for Quinn Hoffman a couple years ago for Trevor's son. Yeah, and he had no intention of but playing he was professional going to Harvard, baseball he was at all. On the, yeah, he was on his way to college. But this kid, I think he was. No, I, I'm not sure. I want to say he was a college senior, and so now he has a chance to at least pursue a, a professional yeah. baseball career. So all these guys have signed for under 125 grand. So none of their bonus goes against the pool, but there's still like a dozen guys left that they have a chance to go after. So Maurice Hampton is out. Josh Rivera, probably they're not going to get him. Uh, but then 11th rounder Mason Fioli, who's a left-handed pitcher out of UConn, I believe is yeah. a junior. Um, interesting guy. So he might get some money and there's I mean, Andre Tarver. Uh, I'm just trying to pull names off the top of my head. Cause I don't have my list in front of me, uh, but there's, there's some interesting people in that mix. Okay. And right now, everybody's, you know, whatever, 18, 20, 22 years old. So what do you really know? Yeah, it's, they look at the work ethic, the frame, the the, the personality. And is this some, is this coachable? Is yeah. this somebody that, you know, do they have the bulldog kind of attitude? Have you watched any of the Vanderbilt games? I have not been able to watch any, God, no, my schedule has been kind of crazy. Man, no, you've I been haven't. busy. So Drake Fellows started the first game of the NCAA World Series for Vanderbilt. Right. And we happened to be out for, for lunch on Saturday, I think it was, when he was up there. Interesting guy. Tall, broad shoulders, uh, red redhead guy, and he's got this ferocity on the mound. He looks kind of angry and locked in and focused. So he's got that kind of bulldog look to his face. Um, fastball, slider, I guess he's got a change up and a curve that he mixes in. Yeah. The knock on him is that he's wild. So he led, I guess he led the league and hit by pitch and he walks a ton of guys, but he also strikes out a ton of guys and he's kept his ERA low. He's been a four-year starter with, uh, or a three-year starter because he's okay. through his junior year and it's unusual for Vanderbilt to have freshmen start. So he's got a ton of experience on yeah. the college level. So anyway. The that's, Commodores, that's a huge, that's <clears throat> like almost the, you remember several years ago, it was um, Cal State Fullerton, like in the 90s, it was like, yeah. every, if you were, you know, like the guy on the bench got signed in the third round from Cal uh -huh. State Fullerton. And then it was Long Beach State for a while. Long Beach State for a while. Um, Pepperdine used to have a good program back in the day. Now it's just like the past five, 10 years. And I know um, from, uh, he's with the Boston now. David Price, you know, is the big, 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 big signing out of there. But like, oh, yeah. that's a premier organization. You know, they had Ryan Weathers going there, and they had Xavier, Xavier Edwards. Edwards like, yeah, they're, and they still went to the College World Series, mm -hmm. and we had both their boys. Yeah, and so they've got they've got another stacked recruiting class coming back yeah. for next year. 
So a guy like Drake Fellows, they're going deep into the NCAA World Series. They yeah. might win the whole thing. Who knows? And then you're looking at all these kids coming in. and Okay, do I stick it around for another year? Or do I take the money and go start my pro career? Yeah. And there's risks, but I can understand why you'd want to stay and finish your degree and, you know, follow through on a promise that you may have made to a coach. Yeah. And that's a, that's a big thing. The, the commitment, having like, I'm a man of my word. This is what I'm going to do. Uh, and I'm sure even if, um, even if, even if he does. Hey, after Machado his, bomb. We got the game going on in the background. Yes. Manny Machado just went deep yeah. against the Pirates. And I'm facing the TV and Roy is not. Um, even even if you leave in your, in your junior year, you know, like, hey, coach. Yeah, the coach is not going to go poo on you. Like, they're going to give me good money. This is what we're doing this for. Hell yeah, take your money. But I love that. I love those kids that make the commitment and do it. You see a little bit of that with, um, and we're getting way out of the craziness here. Um, not Al Leiderson, the other left-hander on the MLB network. Uh, it's it's escaping me right now. Yeah, the the pitcher, his son yeah. was like he was drafted not not too bad, not not pretty good, but not too bad. He was going to college. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, why do I want to say lighter? It's not. It's uh, hello, hello, <laughs> boss. I can't dang it. Anyways, let's go on. Moving on, <laughs> moving on. So the, the Texas League has announced its all star team, and Amarillo has eight players going. <laughs> The Amarillo Sod Poodles, selected who will represent the South Division of the Texas League uh, Midsummer Classic, are Luis Torrens. Nice. Second baseman, Ivan Castillo. He's listed as a second baseman, but he's played pretty much everywhere. Everywhere. Owen Miller, Edward Olivares, uh, who's outfielder, Kyle Overstreet. Kyle Overstreet's an interesting guy because he's catcher, first base, plays a little third base. I, I'm a big Overstreet fan. Yeah. And uh, I, I asked someone earlier, a couple, like maybe last year, I asked someone, they're like, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, uh, I'm like, Dude, he rakes. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan. So, uh, And then right-handed pitcher Emmanuel Ramirez and left-handed pitcher Travis Radke. But Travis Radke is now in El Paso. He's bounced around a lot. Yeah. And both last year and this. He's, I think, 25 years old, so he's fairly old for a minor leaguer. Yeah. Um, it, but he's in... Coming back from the Tommy John the year before. Yeah, he missed a couple years. Been kind of that... You're right. Been the filler guy, move up, move down. Mm-hmm. But he gets it done everywhere he goes. He and, just gets guys out. And he doesn't have overpowering stuff, but he's smart. He knows how to attack hitters. He knows how to he's got a book that he keeps on all these guys. So interesting dude. All right. So uh Matt Eddy of Baseball America published a minor league park factors midseason update. So what he did was he tried to take a look at statistically which parks are favorable toward pitchers, which parks are favorable toward hitters. Yeah. And they call that the park factor. Um, and he tried to normalize it across all levels of the minors, uh, both within the league and against other leagues. So he ranked all the ballparks on a percentile scale. So 100% would be the most hitter-friendly environment in all of baseball, and 0% is the most pitcher-friendly. Okay, so now that just uh, that I can sink my teeth in into the the war, the WOBA, the RWCR plus how they get those numbers like divide this by times that and you factor in that it's at Petco or wherever like how they get to those numbers I don't understand it but like the percentile you give me the basic stuff okay so since we're on that the 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 actual way that they calculate it you can go down that rabbit hole and get lost in the numbers if you want but how to use the numbers is the important part so WRC plus weighted runs created plus so you're talking about how many runs did that player create 
with what he does in the batter's box. Right. It doesn't include stolen bases. And then the plus means that it's normalized. So it's normalized to 100. So if a guy's 110, he produced 10% more runs than the average hitter. If he's 80, he produced 20% less than the average hitter. Okay. So it's... it. It you got to kind of dive in and look at all the, but you don't really need to get into the nitty gritty of how everything's calculated. Anyway, so he went down and listed every ballpark in the minor leagues, every full season ballpark. Um, El Paso's Southwest University Park was ranked in the 96th percentile. It is the third most hitter friendly park in the PCL, behind Reno and Albuquerque, and it's grouped with a whole bunch of other minor league ballparks. There are other PCL ballparks as the most extreme hitter environments in all the minor leagues. That makes sense because of what we're seeing with the ball this year. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the PCL ballparks happen to be in higher elevations, yeah. uh, in dry climates, uh, but also the ball is just taken off like a crazy rocket this year. Yeah. So throughout the PCL, the numbers were high, um, higher than in the Eastern, but far and wide, the Eastern leagues were uh, more pitcher friendly than the yeah. Western leagues. Yeah. Um, Amarillo's Hodgetown was at 89%. It is the most hitter-friendly park in the Texas League and stands with Arkansas and Springfield as the outliers in that league. So those three ballparks are significantly hitter-friendly. Everything else in that league was relatively neutral. The Diamond at Lake Elsinore at 8% is far and away the toughest run-scoring environment in the California League and also rates as the most pitcher-friendly park west of the Mississippi River. So I found that interesting because I don't... You go to a game at Lake Elsinore, you don't really think about the dimensions, the climate, whatever else inhibits run scoring. But I have noticed that I see a lot of low-scoring games when I go there. A lot of kind of pitcher's duels. And even though you see kind of shoddy defense because it's single A, there's a lot of mistakes made out there. But you're not seeing high-run games. You don't see a 12-8 to game at Lake Lake Elsinore. But they're commonplace in the PCL these days. Or Lancaster. <laughs> well, yeah, La- yeah, and Lancaster. So I, I should pull that up and see where Lancaster rates. Um, so then last on the list, I've got Fort Wayne's Parkview Field, and that was 50% right at the median for all minor league ballparks. But I it's found it interesting. It's a fair ballpark. Yeah, I like it, that. It's the, fairest, it's the fairest ballpark of them all. It's the fairest of the fair. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, it is skewed toward the hitter among the other fields in the Midwest League. Okay. So now you've got me uh, curious. Go ahead and carry on to the next thing, and I'm going to find where well, Lancaster is. Well, after this. this, we're going into the affiliate rundown. <laughs> so Lancaster actually is number five in the top five ballparks in terms of runs per game at home. It's a 97 percentile. Yeah. So it's the complete it's, opposite of the diamond at Lake Elsinore. It's a, that's crazy. And that's because the wind, the elevation, but the wind blows out on a oh. consistent... And that's yeah. the same case in Amarillo. The prevailing wind, I guess, blows out toward center field or right center or something like that. So you get the ball up in the air and it can go. And was Vegas in any of this? I didn't see it. I mean, Vegas seems to be another hitter's friendly ballpark. Oh yeah. Vegas. Let me find it here. Um, Las Vegas is 98%. Yeah. <laughs> so Reno is a hundred percent. Las Vegas is 98. Albuquerque is 99. El Paso is 96. So a whole bunch of in the same division of the PCL that are all just crazy just, run scoring yeah. environments. That's so, it's tough. Cause how do you, you know, I, I can't wait to talk to Sam Gini about this and, mm-hmm. and just go like, and, and he, it's going to be so simple. Well, we we put that factor in, but there's a bunch of other factors that we put in that really, you know, we can, we'll get into it here in a minute about with Luis Urias. Uh, you know, he's hitting 500 or whatever, and 
why isn't he up? And, you know, the fans are just clamoring for it because they see the numbers. But as an organization, and um, once we get there, it's in the triple here. Um, I want to talk more about that. But well, the, the flip side of that coin is Ty France. He was up for, what, a month? Yeah. And so we saw what he did. He yeah. did well. I thought he handled himself well in the majors. But he you're did. looking at it going, well, he didn't hit very well. Yeah. And then he goes back to El Paso. Homer's in five straight games. He's got an OPS that's like 1.2 something. It's Player crazy. of the week. Yeah, he's yeah. tearing it up. So there's a huge difference in performance between the two. Yeah. So you've got to just throw the numbers out. And I've seen that asked like Eric Longenhagen in these in these chats. Like, what do you? How do you look at these numbers? Like, you don't even look at them. You look at other stuff. You look at strikeout yeah. rate, walk rate, and right. other things. But you cannot look at home runs, power numbers. So let's get there because I want to talk about it a little bit more. Uh, yeah. So starting off with the affiliate rundown in El Paso, the single, well, left-handed pitcher Travis Radke was promoted from Amarillo. Uh, in, the, in time for Monday's game, the Southpaw pitched three scoreless innings out of the pen for El Paso. Now, he does not throw hard. No, not at all. Yeah, he doesn't throw hard and... I, you know, here's my here's my feeling behind that. The guys that don't throw hard, that have good sequencing, he has three good pitches, but they throw strikes. And I think sometimes these hitters, they're you know they're not used to even in the minor leagues, they're not used to hitting or you know seeing so many strikes. Um, and so like they get into account where like he's probably going to throw a ball. Oh, he threw a strike. You know, maybe I was looking fastball. Oh, he throws a slider. Mm-hmm. Um, but he seemed to get it done, and that may, it's it's really exciting for me. I, I, I'm excited to maybe – I wouldn't be surprised since he's been a bullpen guy his whole time. You know, it's so sexy to go, ooh, Michelle Baez, ooh, um, you know, Andres Munoz. Uh, but to see – I wouldn't be surprised if Radke got called up anytime soon uh, before any of those guys. The, the, the unfortunate part of that, though, is that a guy like him that gets called up, he'll come up, he'll do whatever for a few games, and if he gets rocked, then – I guess they can option him back to the minors, but yeah. at some point that guy becomes a DFA candidate. Yeah. Because it's just okay, we gave you your chance. Right. You know, you had your moment in the sun. And now we need to, you know, make the the path for somebody else. But then again, he might be the kind of I've heard I it seems like he's one of these character guys that's just at the top of the chart. Yeah. So maybe he's somebody that they keep in the organization to be the stabilizing force. When we were at the welcome dinner for uh, the Lake Elsinore Storm, yeah. I overheard him talking to somebody. I think it was either the manager or the the somebody in the management. That was the, the beginning of this season, right? Yeah, before the first game and everything, when, when they first got there. Okay. And he was asking somebody about the chaplain, about service, and about – because I, I don't know anything about these guys' personal lives, right. but clearly faith is a significant part of his life. Yeah. And that he's asking those questions tells <clears throat> me that he becomes a bit of a clubhouse leader on that front. Maybe he leads some team prayer right. kind of stuff, or right. maybe he counsels some people. I don't know. Yeah. But he might be the kind of guy that they keep just because of the personality more so than the performance on the ball. Yeah. Clubhouse guy. Mm-hmm. Not only performing well, but he's a good clubhouse guy. Yeah. And that's not organizational filler by any means. No, absolutely. And you look at a guy like AJ Kennedy, I mean, a fantastic defender yeah. behind the plate. And he's had a career as a minor leaguer in the Padres system. And he, I think, is in double A. He's bounced around too this and, year. He spent a bunch of time in single A or in triple A when uh, right when Mejia got called up. Yeah, yeah. Um, to kind of go along with that, the the leadership. You know, Craig Stan was the same way. Like I, when we were there uh, in the spring training, I think it was his pastor and those guys showed up. Oh, kind of, kind of like hanging out at the tables there. I'm like, uh, oh yeah, I think yeah, I think he's a pastor because he had some kind of gear on that I that remind. 
gave me a, an idea that he's a pastor. I believe faith is a big, you know, not only, you know, yeah, I think it's a big thing in his life as well. But that's huge. And and that's, and so let me just finish this thought with, with Travis. It's like, of course, in the minor leagues, they don't see strikes very often or, you know, so much. But as soon as they get the big leagues, they're hunting. I mean, they're hunting strikes. And and that's when you said, like, he come up here and whatever happens, happens. Like, he comes up here, and if he doesn't absolutely have the velocity um, and can get away with guile, and we've kind of seen it not work out here, guys that don't have the velocity, but kind of pitch with deception, guile, and just luck. It only goes so far. It only goes so far. Yeah. And um, But it would be good if he, you know, if he made it up, if he was a, uh, like, a September call-up, or, you know, hell, if they can bring him up for that. But let's move on. So... On what you were just talking about, about throwing strikes with Chris Paddock, I, I think he was throwing too many strikes. I heard something about that, that they were that they want him to pitch off the zone a little bit more because when he tries to put that fastball in the top corner, guys are getting at it. Yeah. And he, maybe if you miss that by a couple inches and it's it just floats over the middle of the plate and then it's in Souvenir City. Yeah. So my my what I feel Paddock isn't doing, and I know we're on the major league team again. Um, he needs that third pitch. He needs to throw that curveball because they're just hitting fastball and changeup. And if he throws too many balls and he has to come in, they're going to hit him. Well, I saw him leaving him over the middle of the plate. Yeah. When he was good, he was painting the corners. Yep. And then when he was getting touched up, they were right down Main Street. But let's move on to double. Yes. Right handed pitch. Wait, wait. Well, you skipped over Stephen Wilson. No, I'm trying. Oh, the double. The okay. Double. I'm sorry. I thought you said double A. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, Steve Wilson, who just got promoted from Lake Elsinore. Uh, two innings pitched, no hits, no runs, 1K. Hit two peso balls in his El Paso debut this week. So they bounced him right past Amarillo, straight to El Paso. Right past. But also, I think it's an age thing. I think he's 24, 25. He's, he is. He's not, you know, they, that's what I love about this organization. They will test you. They will mm -hmm. push you. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's really cool. See him kind of get some success right away. Well, that minor league shuffle that you talk about is starting to happen because now you've got the, the drafted kids are showing up in the AZL and yep. in the Northwest League, and they're going to start percolating up. You've got guys that have been in, in extended spring training all year. They're yeah. still trying to make their way out of complex ball. So it's it's interesting watching this time of year, how yeah. the guys move around. And we'll get to that Arizona League because I did put it on the agenda way down. Mm -hmm. But move on to the triple. Uh, Luis Urias. <laughs> Dude, he's finished a triple shy of the cycle. He had four hits, including a 17th homer, raises OPS to 1.105. Um, good for third in the PCL. That's crazy that a 1.105 OPS is third. God, well, it's the PCL. <laughs> that's, that's Barry it's, Bonds' numbers. Yeah, it's funny. You should almost think that the PCL, that the baseball should even create another whole league, just like arena baseball. Yeah, and arena baseball is a good term for it. That's what somebody called what happened in uh, in Colorado. Yeah. It's like arena baseball. And there 92 was runs that they scored in a four-game series. Uh, but he was hitting just 186 over the last 10 games, coming into Thursday, uh, this, uh, last night's game. So it was good tonight to have him. What I saw, what I want to talk about, was people see these numbers. They see all the production, and yet he's not getting called up. Now, someone had tweeted a video of him. I think it was the opposite field homer that he hit last night. And he had that, it was a side shot of him. And he had the leg kick. And the leg kick from every professional hitter I've ever seen, the leg comes up and it comes right back down where, it, where he lifted it from. What I saw last night in this tweet um, is he lifted that leg and he went forward. Like he went 
six in, six seven inches forward mm-hmm. uh, from where his foot was. I think that's what they're talking about with. Yes, the production's great, but it's a Pacific Coast League, and we need to see these structural, these mechanical changes in his swings. And I know everyone hates talking about the leg kick, but you watch Josh Donaldson, you watch all these other guys with with the leg kick. They pick up the leg and they put it right back down where it went. You see him move forward, and yes, he hit a home run, but he hit an opposite field, and he was late on the ball. Whatever, I it's still. Not, I don't think it's what they want to see. You know? Well, I've heard an interview. I can't remember who the interview was with, but they were talking about his mechanics, and he's apparently he's had the leg kick throughout the minors. Right. It's just become a right. little bit more exaggerated. He he's doing it on two strikes, where before it was more subdued on two strikes. Right. But apparently, the leg kick has always been like a variable. Like he picks it up, and then based on what he sees coming in, if it's an inside pitch he'll step one way. If it's an outside pitch, he'll step toward the plate. If he's, maybe he saw a breaking ball. So he tried to get out in front on it a little bit. Maybe there's a method to the madness, but it's, it's working. So as far as what's keeping him from coming up and you've got Ian Kinsler, who's all of a sudden looking like a legit major league baseball player again, ever since May 1st, he's been hitting well, hitting righties and lefties. He's doing okay in the field and he's getting paid 8 million bucks. So what are you going to do? You bring Luis Arias up so he can, shine Ian's shoes right and platoon and not you know and maybe struggle maybe need yeah. that time to and get then going. people will get mad because he's only playing every third day right. or something and it's it's kind of a catch-22 and I they signed Ian Kinsler before Machado was signed yeah before they even had thoughts of signing Machado right and even then when Machado came on nobody really thought that Tatis was going to break camp with the team if anything people thought that Urias was going to break camp with the team and yeah. Tatis was going to spend half the year in AAA yeah so it's a lot of things changed from when Kinsler was signed. And I think the fact that he's there is blocking Rias in a way. Yeah. So my hope is that is that Kinsler continues to just crush it. He just goes on a crazy tear for the next month, builds up some trade value. They send him off, bring in a couple of single A <laughs> you know, pieces, and then uh, and then open the path for Rias. I saw that. T- I saw that tweet, and I think a part of his was like trade value. <laughs> um. And Greg, Greg Garcia is doing really well. But let's move on. Let's move on to Amarillo, where in the inaugural season, the Amarillo Sod Poodles are first half champ. Boom! Yes, congratulations. Did you congratulations, see? Congratulations, So I follow uh, Darius Valdez on uh, Instagram, and he was posting a bunch of pictures of their celebration. I and, just saw the one picture with the whole team there. Yeah. Owen Miller looking like a dad at 24. I mean, no, he's like, <laughs> what, 22? Maybe I mean, he's like 20, 21. He looks like he has a dad body. He's but not they were cut. All, they were all soaked in beer. You know, they put the plastic up and they did that whole thing. So good for them. They get to experience some good times. It is. And that's great for the first, you know, for the first season. They, you know, they were first half champs. Well, and that's good for the city of Amarillo too, yeah. or for the yeah. organization, the Sod Poodles organization, because yeah. that's drawing, has drawn people in. This is, there's reason to get excited. It's not just some ho-hum team these kids are good absolutely and and that's we're going to go into that here in a minute with uh with uh some other some other parts with benjamin hill that visited amarillo um and he talks about that as well but moving on single michelle Baez continues to throw every four days striking out a third of texas league batters as he does it after three straight two inning outings with 30 uh, with 30 pitches when he first joined the club Baez threw just uh, 50 pitches over two and two-thirds innings in his next appearance. 
He only needed 11 pitches in one frame last time out and got through his two innings last Tuesday, needing just 24. While it's not clear if he'll keep working out of the bullpen, he sports a 1.54 ERA and a 17-3 strikeout-to-walk ratio in 11 and two-thirds innings. So it sounds like they're keeping him to like a two-inning limit. It's not necessarily the number of pitches. Yeah. So I... Go on. You're okay. <laughs> You're okay. I'm, I'm just queuing something up. You guys can't hear it, but we can hear it because it's really loud. So Michelle Baez working as a reliever. Maybe they are grooming him to be a reliever. I still think they're... I, I think they are just trying to get some innings under his belt just to kind of get the arm worked out. Uh, they could stretch him out uh, later on in the season. They can stretch him out. At the end of the season, they can bring him up and have him a reliever and then work him towards being a starter. Well, but, but stretching out a player involves changing something about his appearance than making it longer, longer, longer as yeah, as yeah. you go through the season. Yeah. So I just pulled up his game log here. Uh, he's made eight appearances for the Sod Poodles. His innings pitched two, 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 two and two thirds, one, two, two, one and two thirds. That's pretty consistent. Yeah. They're but, holding him at at two innings regardless of the pitch count because the pitch counts are all over the place. Right, but they haven't had him. Like, he's. this is the most he's pitched since he's been with Fort Wayne. Yeah, but you'd think at some point, all right, go out there for three innings. Try to get through an X yeah. number of batters. We're going to leave you out there for 12 batters this time, 15 batters. If if that's really what they're doing is trying to stretch out and work up his workload, because and really I'm starting to think that they are trying to groom him as a reliever. Yeah, yeah. I am... Um, We'll, we'll see. I think I said that several months ago, even last year. Like, who cares? It might be a much to the uproar of everyone else. Like, maybe he's a bullpen guy. And I think I've even heard some of that from Kyle Glazer, some of the other, you know, some of the Baseball America guys and other evaluators going, like, he's probably, because of the two-pitch mix, um, then maybe he's a bullpen guy. Well, he's got a slider. So he's not just fastball changeup. He has a slider that looks pretty good, but I think it's the the mechanics, the size that he has, the ability to repeat his delivery, yeah. Um, and then also the stamina, being able to go out there and throw 80, 100, 120 pitches eventually. And maybe they don't believe this. Always been the knock on him is reliever risk. Yeah, people think he's going to become a reliever, and maybe that's what they're grooming him for. And there's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with that if he becomes a high leverage. Two or three inning guy. Oh, he'd be disgusting. I but mean, just filthy. Yeah, six foot eight coming at you with ninety eight mile an hour fastball, and then a changeup that drops off the table. But what we do now, uh, like you ever see the old James Bond? Oh yeah, he looks just like Jaws. Oh uh, okay, yeah, he I can looks, see that. That jawline, the heavy brow. Yeah, if you put a grill on him, it's like uh, he looks like Jaws from okay. the James Bond. I can see that. <laughs> Okay, so we need to come up with James Bond villains for everybody. Yeah, I, I need to think of who's going to be Odd Job. The guy that wasn't that the guy that threw the hat. Yeah, Odd Job, the short uh, Asian guy with a bald head. Well, we'll... God, you can almost say Josh Naylor for that because he's kind of pudgy. Oh, that's a hot take. But let's move on. Hey, for the double infielder Yvonne Castillo, everyone so says my my chef at work is Yvonne. Uh, everyone is now Yvonne instead of Ivan. Uh, he's leading the Texas League with a 348 batting average. We signed him as a, a minor league free agent. And like you said before, he's been playing all over the field. But the kid rakes. Yeah, he's been hurt. 
I guess he's been hurt the last couple of years. Last year he had a good year in high A for the Blue Jays. Yeah, we was with Toronto. Yeah, he was in the Cleveland organization, and then last year went to Toronto. And then this year he's having a great year. So I was going to pull up his uh, positional log. This year he's played second base, third base, center field, left field, right field, 14 games at shortstop. So yeah, Bugs Bunny? Yeah, and, and he's been hitting just the same everywhere yeah. he goes. People like to say, well, give somebody a defined role. They need to know what their job is on the field. They need a defined spot in the lineup. They need to know, I'm going to be hitting fifth every day. Who who cares? If you're a hitter, you're going to yeah. hit. And if you're an athlete and you're a fielder, you understand baseball. you got the IQ. You can put him anywhere. I bet yeah. you could put... You could put Tatis at first base. You can put him in right field if you want, and he'd yeah. be able to handle the job just yeah. fine. How dare you take him off shortstop? Oh, no, I'm not moving him off shortstop. <laughs> well, you're I'm right. just saying, you're right. like that, you can move him anywhere, and he's going to be good. And I think that I think Owen Miller's got some of that in yeah. him, too. He plays second, third, yeah. shortstop, and, you, and he played first base in that prospects game that we saw here in Petco Park. He did. I'm, I have no doubt that he could go out to a corner and be just fine in an outfield. You know, it's, it's funny. So, you know, he didn't talk to us during spring training. Um, Austin Bosfield uh, had uh, Lance Brozdowski on his Painting Corners podcast. And um, he had he'd interviewed him a little bit, like talked to him a little bit. But like, you know, it, he would just give him these one like really quick answers and not a lot. Um, and like he finally just went to him and said, I'm going to, you know, like, hey, ask him a question. And he kind of gave him one of those another quick quick answer replies and he's like i'm gonna get you one of these times like so i don't think it's just us i think miller doesn't want to talk a lot well some people aren't like that they're they just don't have the personality to open up to people that they don't know i've heard that about josh naylor that he doesn't like to do interviews um and after one of the games angela and i happened to meet up with him we saw him walking over to the omni and angela knows him yeah and so and he stood there and talked to us for 10, 15 minutes and talk about all kinds of stuff. Super personable, nice kid. But you put a microphone in front of him and maybe there's some concern that maybe he's going to say something dumb and embarrass himself or he needs to represent the organization a certain way. Or heck, maybe he's already thinking about the next thing that he wants to go do. He's right. already, his mind's already in the gym or he's right. thinking about, you know, going in and hitting the showers or he's already thinking about where he's going to go out to dinner that night. Yeah, Who knows? No. You know, not everybody's going to be Mackenzie Gore to sit down and just relax and give you some of his time and open up and chew your ear off. But let's see what happens next year in spring training. He's my heat. Like that's going to be a good get. It's going to be a good get. You're talking Owen about Miller. Owen. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I, I, that's the first. Who do you want to talk to? Miller. All right. Miller. It's Miller time. Miller, bring me Miller. And I hope he does it because I we love him and, and uh, he's fantastic. Okay, so let me geek out here for a minute and uh, stay with me, guys. Um, I, I, so since for the longest time I've been listening to the show before the show podcast, that's Tyler Mon, uh, Sam Dykstra, and uh, then they have um, Benjamin Hill, who we had on the podcast last year, who has gone to every minor league ballpark and uh, he continues to do that this year. Every single minor league ballpark. There's like, what, 130 of them? There was 100. He had 163. Several of them were now defunct. Now we have new ones like uh, Hodgetown. Um, so he finally made his way to Amarillo. And he spent several days there. Uh, you know, I, I threw out a bunch of tweets to those guys. Um, him and Sam, him and Sam actually found like a family of, of uh, sod poodles in, in between, like like right out of the side of this hotel, in between like in a dirt field. Did where, they try to interview the little critters? What they did, they went to the you know you see them talking, and uh, 
Benjamin's interviewing Sam, and you hear this, kick it, kick it, kick it. You know, it sounds like a squirrel. Cause it's, yes. And like, that happens in my neighborhood. And Liddy's like, what is that? I'm like, that's a squirrel pistol. He's like the sentinel. He's telling everyone like, hey, heads down. So you hear the kick it, kick it. And they're talking to Sam about his first time seeing a sod poodle. And he's been there, God, how long? And he's never seen a sod poodle. Uh, and then... You know, then he comes on, you know, the broadcast. I didn't, I miss it. I had to work. Uh, he comes on the broadcast. Um, he does, um, he did the first to third, which we edited out of here because it's like two minutes. But it's someone that, so whenever he does the show before the show podcast, uh, you know, Sam and Tyler talk about baseball. They do the interviews. Uh, Sam is all about the teams, um, what other teams are promoting, what other teams have got going on. Uh, where he's going, and he just kind of the fun part. He has the freaking raddest job where he just goes around and hangs out at ballparks. And it could be a different night. You know, he can go there and promote like a Star Wars night, or he can go there just – he does all the promotions and talks about it. And it's always been fun for me listening to that podcast. Um, but he does what what's called the subversive ballpark joke. And it's like a dad joke, and it's kind of kooky. But uh, let me play. For, it's the it's the groundbreaking subversive ballpark joke. Uh, so let me play this for you here, and you guys are gonna say, "God, you're just killing it. It's bad." But I love it. I told them I put it on the podcast. I'm nerding out. This is where I nerd out, and uh, so listen to it right here. The ball game is over. Amarillo did not score in the ninth. The sod is retired. So there. So there it is. It's short, quick. The sod is retired. The sod is retired because they're the sod poodles. So if you say side with a strong Texas drawl, I think it becomes it's sad. Sod. <laughs> sod. It starts to morph. Sod. The sod retired. is retired. The sod is retired. Uh, but I had to throw that in there. And, you know, it was just cool. Uh, he's a friend of the podcast. We're going to have him. We'll maybe have him on again uh, sometime soon. But let's move on. Thank you for letting me kick out. We're going to get on to the business again. Um Go ahead. So you've got Emmanuel Ramirez on here. Emmanuel Ramirez turned in a great outing Thursday, allowed an unearned run in seven innings, um, averaging a strikeout per inning in 2019. You? So good for Emmanuel Ramirez. It's been a quiet. He's done quite well. I mean, it's, you know, it's double A, so he's got his hit and misses, but he's been pretty consistent. I, he, I, I feel he has. He's one of these under the radar kind of guys that that hasn't drawn a whole lot of attention, but he's consistently performed as he's moved along. So he's 24. Um, he's from the Dominican Republic, six foot two, hundred ninety pounds. I just pulled up his minor league baseball wow. website here. Is he a Scorpio? Uh, he was born in July fifteenth. I don't know my uh, astrological signs all that well. <laughs> Neither do I. Okay, so let's move on. Uh, we were just. I, I think that makes him a Cancer, actually. A Cancer. Yeah, because my dad was a Cancer. He was born in late June. I think. I think that's within the same window. Uh, uh. I, I don't. I don't know what that means yeah. about. Angela, I, my wife could probably tell you something about his personality traits based on that, but I don't listen to that. Okay, so moving on. <laughs> so let's get to Lake Elsinore. Um, for the single, it was weird because it was it, been a weird week in minor league baseball for for uh, for us. Um, what I'm about to read here, uh, Ryan Weathers was voted to the All Star game, although he was inactive at the time. He showed up. To the ballpark and wait, wait, you just skipped past like Elsinore. I, I know, but I'm just gonna just gonna like okay. set up this whole damn thing, because um, we don't talk about it in in the tin caps uh, rundown. So Ryan Weathers goes to South Bend, where the you know where the Midwest League All Star Game is, and they're like, 
oh, we don't have a shirt for you. <laughs> like, he showed up. They're like, we didn't know you were coming, so um, we don't have a shirt for you. Oh, because he was selected to the team, yeah, but was he, was, he was inactive? He was inactive. Okay. Um, and he shows up, and they're like, oh, I guess, well, here's a shirt, you know? And then they made him a shirt, I guess, real quick. But it's just kind of quirky things. Here, grab a highlighter. Grab a Sharpie. Let me write on. <laughs> well, this, and this happened at Lake Elsinore. So Kyle Glazer tweeted Saturday. So this is Saturday. Interesting development here in the Cal League. Rancho Cucamonga has forfeited its win Wednesday against Lake Elsinore for the use of an ineligible player. Yes, like in high school. You know, Leo Crawford's DL stint was not appropriately backdated, thus he was not eligible to have pitched. So it's a clerical error. So it's a clerical error. We, I mean, this is a big thing about baseball is, oh, he's put on the DL, always in the active list. And you, for us, it was just words and kind of like structure or not, you know, just kind of like announcements. People pay attention to that stuff. Well, yeah, it's important. Yeah. I mean, there is a, there is a league championship. Um, and people are looking at, at numbers. So if you've got somebody that you throw into a game and they're not supposed to pitch, it, it, it could skew things. So apparently, so the the game was, the result of the game was switched. Yeah. I, apparently, uh, Rancho Cucamonga had won the game, so then they forfeited it retroactively. But it's a seven-day DL. So maybe he came off the DL. They thought that it was Tuesday to Tuesday, where actually they didn't report it until Thursday. They didn't. So it's a paperwork mess up. And we got a W. And yeah. I tell you, it's those W's that, that end up. So the pitchers involved in the game, actually, the the win and the loss and whatever that got attributed to those pitchers, those got vacated. So the winning pitcher doesn't have a W and the losing pitcher doesn't have an L, mm. but the stats still count. Right, right. The, the so the hits, okay. the home runs, the all of that stuff, the earned runs and all that. It's just, it's a strange... Thing. And I think yeah. I saw that that was the first one in like 10 years that this that a game had been forfeited in the California League. Yeah, I just thought, I, I threw it on there. I thought it was really kind of quirky. Uh, but let's move on to the double. Uh, right-handed pitcher Evan Miller was promoted from Lake Elsinore up to, and he, he was going to go to the All-Star game. I had questions lined up for him. And then he got sent up to, excuse me, pardon me. Uh, he got sent up to double A. So, he pitched a scoreless inning Monday, striking out two, including rehabbing big leaguer Hunter Dozier. Miller also worked as a storm closer and led the Cal League with 10 save and 11 chances. Miller was slated to pitch in the Cal League All-Star Game, and I had long line of questions, some real fun ones, and then like, doop, no, it's Caleb Bowsley. You know, so I happened to catch a moment. So Emily Walden wrote a fantastic article talking about a bunch of Padres minor league players, yeah. uh, mainly uh, the guys in the tin caps. Yeah. Uh, but it, there's a discussion at the bottom, and somebody asked about Evan Miller, and for whatever reason, I had a moment at work, and I wrote up a, a write-up that after I wrote it, I was like, wow, that sounds really good. Okay. Evan Miller has spent all of 2019 with the Lake Elsinore Storm, which is the Padres Advanced A affiliate that's a level above the Fort Wayne Tin Caps that Emily covered in this article. She's based in the Midwest, so Evan's probably outside her scope from this year, although she probably saw him last year when he was in Fort Wayne. It can be argued that Evan Miller is the best pitcher on this team not named Mackenzie Gore. His fantastic .698 whip is second on the team behind Gore, and his 1.26 ERA is only bested by Gore and fellow reliever Stephen Wilson that we just talked about. Yeah. His strikeout-to-walk ratio is middle of the pack on the team, but he seems to have an uncanny ability to minimize hits. He was just named to California League's All-Star team. Suffice it to say, he's having a long, he's having an excellent year. And you then should... I went on to talk about you know how he fits because 
so Fangraphs made a list of the Padres' top 54 prospects. Nice. He wasn't on there. Joey Cantillo wasn't on there. There's a bunch of guys that we've talked about that don't get the notification because there's so many good ball players in this organization. Yeah. It's it's hard to see. There's so many people speaking loudly like Mackenzie Gore yeah. that you don't necessarily recognize a kid like Evan Miller that goes in 6th, 7th, 8th inning, pitches an inning or two, works quick he's got a clean inning you don't even really notice it it's just the yeah. game goes on but then halfway through the season he's named to the uh, the all-star team you start looking at the stats and he's floating up to the top of everything so that was the end of my soliloquy there that was a really good that was a really good write-up you should have yeah. put that on like breakfast town or something i, I should have i should have uh, okay let's move on all right so your triple here uh <laughs> minor league baseball tweeted the national weather setter declared Padres prospect Elliot Ashbeck a superstorm on Sunday after the righty set the new high water mark for punch outs in the minors with 15 at Lake Elsinore. In the minors, not not just a ball, not Cali League, in the minors, 15 strikeouts. Now, I am like, I, I'm not gullible, but I'm like, did they really do that? Like, I, I saw it and like 11 seconds later. I'm like, did they really say, you know, because minor league tweeted that out. And I'm like, did they really did the, did they really do that? And they didn't answer me back because it's probably no, you knucklehead. I'm being you know we're being facetious. They're we're, being funny. God, but I'm like, why, bitch? They did that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but 15 strikeouts, and who's talking about Elliot Ashbeck? No one. Us, but who else? Right, right. We well, everybody's we're looking at but... Mackenzie Gore and Luis Patino, maybe yeah. Mason Thompson and some of these guys. And Campy, Luis Camposano. Yeah, but that the whole rotation in Lake Elsinore is fantastic. Yeah. Their bullpen is really good. Yeah. I, you got a lot of really good players out there. It's hard to pay attention to all of them. <clears throat> but I thought that was super cool. And there was a big article written uh, from MILB uh, that I didn't want to put on here. But uh, hell yeah. And we're going to be talking to him. I'll be talking to him this Saturday uh, because he was also at the All-Star game. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to go to the home run. And he pitched last night. Uh, we just talked about him. And I mean, can what what? Do we have to say it? And Mackenzie Gore, he allowed a leadoff homer. Oh, my God. Cut the kid. And then that was it. They're like, <laughs> nine Ks. Uh, God, just bulldog. Just bulldog. I'm surprised he made another start with the storm. I figured after the All-Star game, they were going to send him up. I yeah. Mean, so I, it, get up there when you can, I guess, if he's going to make another start. Really? Uh, and he's been pitching... On six days rest. So he's pitching on that sixth day. He's every six days he's pitching. And this was yesterday, right? They yeah, made this that was stork? yesterday. So do so, your math, folks. And if he's. So it'd be next Thursday. Next Thursday. Uh, I'm, I'm working late. God loves me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, here's the, here's the red, you know, here's the red flag. He walked two guys. Oh, come on. Walked two guys. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I caught him. He, uh, when I went up to, uh, up to the All Star game, he. Through a bullpen. Okay. And that was it. Yeah. And in my fan- fantasy world, I'm like, he only pitched four innings on Friday. I mean, he could throw on Tuesday an inning for us. Nah, they're holding the strict schedule. Not even close. Yeah, he threw a bullpen. He threw about 30 pitches. Um, and that was it. But let's move on to Fort Wayne. Okay. So here's, an, now here's another kind of a funky thing. Fort Wayne single, Saturday Dylan Sin tweeted, the 10 caps apparently just got a run because captain's pitcher Cody Morris threw the used ball in the dugout before calling time. That's a two-base penalty, and runners move up from first and second to third and home. 
Yeah. I mean, it's just like if somebody throws to first base and it sails into the stands. Yeah. The are, ball left the field to play. Are you catching the second out and you throw it in the stands? Yeah. Uh, Agbayani, I think, did that in the playoffs back, back, back in the day. Oh, my God. Benny Agbayani. Benny, the, the, the first flying Hawaiian. Benny the Jet Agbayani. Yeah. Uh, going in the double, here's something that we haven't talked about a lot. And, God, I, I, I'm a big fan of Michael Curry. Um, one of the cool things with one of the cool things with uh, Fort Wayne is every week they put out uh they put out like a sheet of of news of stats of all kinds of crazy just all kinds of stats and man I'm gonna start eating that I'm chewing that up. Um, this is where I got this and then I got a little interview with him after a post game. Um, in 18 games since May 26, outfielder Michael Curry has slashed 321, 400, 436. With a 936 OPS with six doubles, two home runs, and 11 RBIs. C- Curry is sixth in the Midwest League in slugging and seventh in OPS during that time. Now, here is a little interview that we have with him at the end of the game. With Tim Caps outfielder Michael Curry after a Fort Wayne win at Parkview Field. Michael, how about the turnaround for this team? You guys had a four-game skid all of a sudden now. Four consecutive wins as you play spoiler against Bowling Green and now Lake County. How do you describe the turnaround? Yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, AC and us, we had a kind of a heart-to-heart in the locker room, especially that uh, Dayton series. And, um, you know, we all just kind of got together and decided to turn this thing around. You know, we are playing with a chip on our shoulder for sure and just trying to go and finish on a strong note going into the, off, uh, the all-star break. A one-run win tonight. Your home run wound up being the difference. Can you take us through that at bat? Yeah, you know, I mean, personally, like the past two, three games, I've had not the best at bats, chasing balls I haven't really chased. And then, uh, so really today during early work, I worked with uh, Jonathan Matthews, our hitting coach. Just worked on being disciplined and just really letting the ball get deep and trusting my hands again. And you know, I didn't expect to play today, but you know, Jawan had to come out of the game, and so. Uh, I don't know, so I just kind of put everything together and was just really focused on just trying to let the ball get deep and be ready for the fastball, and sure enough, I got the fastball. Maybe despite the last couple of days, you've still been the best hitter on the team for a few weeks stretch right now. What's been the key to your success? Um, just not getting complacent. I think it's kind of like my mentality. Just my mindset's been in the right place, and uh, just kind of like it, me personally, playing with a chip on my shoulder, and uh, that's the biggest thing, man, just not getting complacent and just keep going. Well, Michael, congrats to you and the team, and best of luck the rest of the weekend. Thank you. Appreciate it. So that's Michael Curry. So fun fact about Michael Curry, he was born on the 4th of July. Oh! So he turns 22 in a couple weeks. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to have to send him a tweet saying happy birthday. Yeah. Very nice. So that's our double. Um, <laughs> moving on to triple. So Wait, Sunday. I don't know if you led that off with what you've got titled here, Hot Curry. Hot Curry, yeah. <laughs> Woo, play on. I, I love Indian food. <laughs> But Michael Curry's from Georgia, just to be clear. The but, state, not the country. <laughs> Which would have nothing to do with Curry because Georgia's in the in the Falklands. Yeah, I, it's, I, I know Caucus, it's a former yeah. Soviet republic, yeah. but I believe it's, yeah, somewhere like near Kazakhstan and all of that. Very Azer, Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan. But moving on, uh, we have one more to play for you guys. So this last week, Tukapita Marcano had a walk-off single, and it sounded a lot like this here on father's day Tukapita marcano has a chance to deliver another walk-off win for the caps the son of a former professional player from Tukapita, venezuela 
Line drive, left field. There it is. Tidcaps win. Tuca Pito Marcano with another walk-off hit to finish up the first half of the season. And there's your final score from today's game. Just like Dad. The Gatorade bath, and you gotta love the young tin caps showing the resiliency and not letting the mistakes, both in the top of the ninth and the bottom of the ninth, cost them this ball game. So we couldn't go episode without talking about either Xavier Edwards or Dr. Peter Marcano. So there it is. <laughs> okay, let's move on to home run. I got a little bit of AZL news, and uh, we can get you guys out of here. We really appreciate you hanging on for the home run. In a weird turn of events, the Midwest League was tied after nine innings. You're talking about the All-Star game. All-Star game. So the All-Star game, the league was tied, so they decided to end the game with a home run derby. Now, was that pre-planned? I don't know. It kind of sounded, when I read about it, it kind of sounded like it was decided on a whim. They, like, the managers got together, and, well, what do we do? Do we keep playing, or yeah. do you want to do rock, paper, scissors? Hey, let's have a home run derby. So the so the, the Eastern Division squad earned the win in the unique contest, but Xavier Edwards singled in a solo base to open up the game offensively for the East, and Henry Henry recorded the last out for the squad from the mound. But in between, there wasn't a ton of tin caps news. Ryan Willard's name to the team, but did not appear. Yeah, I've I've read an interview. I want to say it was a Mad Friars interview, and they talked about Henry Henry. Um, he's been pitching as a reliever. It sounds like he's been doing a lot better yeah. this year as a yeah. reliever. That he gets to maybe all the preparation wasn't something that his personality meshed with. Yeah. Where if you just tell the guy go out there and kill, that that he he took well to that. Go out there, throw hard, be nasty. Because he's such a big, long, gangly guy. He yeah. reminds me of Gumby when you look at him because he's got yeah. these long arms and legs. Well, and with Henry Henry, he just has bullpen name written all over it. And in a little side note, um, Ben Woods did Real or Fake, uh, and they did Padres Prospects, and they had Henry Henry. Oh, my gosh. I and, wish I could have called in on that. Oh, man. And I, I messed up on Joey Schmidlap. Oh, come on. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, All right, well, taking it to Tri-Cities. Taking it to Tri-Cities. Now they have started, so there it is. Go ahead. Okay, the short season started Friday, but had to wait till Saturday to get their first victory. Rallying for five runs late to cash in a strong start from writer, righty Felix Minjares. Jordy Barley put the club ahead to stay with a two-out, three-run homer in the seventh. The dynamic infielder has collected three extra base hits in his first four games outside the AZL. Still just 19 years old, he has an electric combination of speed and twitchy power, as much as anyone in the system, but has struggled to turn that into consistent production over his first two years. So I believe this is his third time going to Tri-Cities, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's been, yeah. And he was on a top, he was the top prospect. He was on a lot of top 50 prospect uh, list for the Padres when they first signed him. Yeah, he well, he so much upside. Yeah, that international year, he was signed in 2016 when yeah. all these other, with like Morihone and Baez and all these, and for the fielders, he was the one that people were talking about because he's got the body and the athleticism and all this. He just hasn't been able to put it together yet, but he's still just 19. Well, that's the, and once again, these guys, he's been in the system for three years. So, and you see these top prospects are like, well, why isn't he, why isn't he like Tatis? Why, no one, no one, no one, let me repeat that again, no one, Tatis, those guys, they're the outlier. Oh, yeah. They are the, oh, my God, I found a lottery ticket. That's a once-in-a-generation kind a of a thing. Once-in-a-generation. So, with the athleticism, with the skill, he he's still plenty and plenty of time. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, let's move on to double, because Jordy Barley had his hit safely in all four games after his double Monday through, the, through four games. 
The 19-year-old is hitting 294, 278, and 706 with four extra base hits and six strikeouts in 17 plate appearances. That is, I know it's just a week of baseball games, but it's nice to get some numbers under your belt. Mm-hmm. It's nice to talk about the Tri-City Dust Devils. This is also when we start cautioning that you don't scout stat lines. Yes. Especially at this level. Yes. I mean, scorekeeping is weird and the officiating is weird and there's all kinds of, I mean, the, the defense isn't great and you don't know who, what kind of competition you're going up against, but still, we, we can still see who's having, who's doing well and who's not. Absolutely. So for the triple, uh, last night after the Matacosta tripled and drove in three runs in Thursday's wind, the USC product is hitting 391, 422, and 522 through six games with Tri-Cities. So Matt Acosta was just drafted. He was just signed yeah. just recently. Yeah. So I just saw today, we were talking about the draft earlier. Right yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, on the MLB.com website, they finally started listing all the signing bonuses. Okay. And, but before that, I was going on the different roster pages trying to see, okay, who's who's where? What names do I see? Because you don't know if they've signed, and right. then oh wait, this guy's playing in AZL Padres too. Uh, this guy's in Tri City, and I've been I've been picking up those guys on Twitter, on Instagram. I, I'm I got them all. I'm following them all. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, so that so that winds up Tri Cities, but we have a little bit of AZ news. This is a lot. We have to decide if. This is why I just picked these two guys. Go sure. ahead. So Osvaldo Hernandez made his first outing of the season, working a pair of scoreless frames in a rehab outing. The Southpaw missed the first half of the season with a non-arm injury. He'd worked partway through a rehab progression once before having to shut down in May, so he will likely build work a full buildup in the Arizona League before heading to Lake Elsinore. So coming into the season, last year... He led, I believe he led the Tin Caps in ERA. He led the whole Midwest League in ERA. And that's with Mackenzie Gore, Luis Patino, and a bunch of other really good pitchers, Aaron Leisher. So you've got all these good lefties in Lake Elsinore, and Osvaldo Hernandez kind of flew under the radar while also being incredibly dominant. Yeah. So I thought he was going to go straight to Lake Elsinore this year. We were, yeah, we were banking on it. Injuries happen. So he's finally healthy, working his rehab, you know, ramping up. Good for him. Yeah. And... It's so good to see because he was so dominant. We're like, oh my god, like Elsinore's just going to be lit, and it's lit. But Hernandez got injured. He's one of these guys that doesn't. He's not a high velocity guy. He's a kitchen sink guy. He will throw five different pitches. I'm not sure if that's true, but I know he throws at least four pitches and will just keep it mixing up, mixing up, mixing up. And um, well, he's Cuban, and I've heard that about the the guys that they signed that had some experience in the Cuban system is that they come in and they have six, seven different pitches. Right. (laughs) And so they have to whittle it down and say, okay, let's focus on these three. And then maybe after a while, we'll add another one. So, so that's Osvaldo Hernandez. And then the last one you got on here, CJ Abrams, the Padres first round pick. He had two more hits, which represents a new career low in his three games. Yeah. He doubled and tripled in four hits to the plate at Abrams has notched also notched his first career strikeout Thursday night. Abrams is nine for 14 to start his pro career. And I think that strikeout is the only one he's had so far. Yeah. So one of the things they say about him is how little his swing. Have you seen his, his swing? I, I, yeah, we'll see. There's video on Twitter. It's such a clean, quick looking on plane swing and yeah. it's, it's effortless. And the bat just whips through. It reminds me a little bit of Francisco Mejia that the, the, 
it's just the buggy whip. Yeah, it's the buggy whip that his hips turn and the bat just flies through the zone. But he's got the eye hand coordination to square up anything. Yeah, it's it's nice having like after all these first round draft pick pitchers, and I love pitchers. Don't get me wrong, but it's nice to see a kid get drafted, start playing, and start producing. And one of the things for for me, what I want to see him hit is velocity. Like I like you need to hit velocity. Well, you can figure out the curveball stuff, but if you can hit 94, 95, because I'm sure maybe one or two of those guys are throwing that that hard in, in the AZL, um, if you can hit velocity, then you're going to be okay. Well, he's going to play his way out of the AZL real quick. Yeah. He's not going to be in complex ball for long. I don't know if they're going to send him out to Fort Wayne or to Tri-City. It wouldn't surprise me to see him skip Tri-City altogether if he really looks that good. It's funny because I was listening to the game, the Tri-City's game with Chris King the other day, another friend of the podcast. Um, and he he'd mentioned he'd mentioned that C.J. Abrams doing real well in the Arizona League. He'll probably skip us. You know, we'll see what happens. But he was like lamenting, like, yeah. well, he'll probably skip us. But um, we'll see. You know, that has me wondering. I'm, I'm going to look up Owen Miller real quick because I feel like did he go to North Northwest League at all last year? No, he hit his way out of AZL. He hit his way out of Tri Cities. He hit his way out of. He, yeah, he hit every every system. Oh, okay, every affiliate. But so that's it for the affiliate rundown. You guys were still selling, and first I want to say thank you, thank you guys for everyone that's bought the McKenzie Gore Dominate the Day shirts. I want to thank everyone that's bought the Luis Patino shirts, as he pointed to himself. Yes. Yeah, I still need to order ours. I'm sorry. Your Luis Patino shirt, right? I do, You've I do. Oh, we, we've the got the Dominate the Day shirts, yeah. Yeah. I, I So I got my Luis Patino shirt. Um, thank you guys so much. And I've already requested that money to come to my bank account. We're trying to figure out, Roy, I'm trying to figure out with uh, with the Lake Elsinore Booster Club where, when we can go up there together and kind of hang out with all those people and just give them the check. No, we're not going to. Well, see, I want to do the whole front of the crowd and get like the big check and... 350 bucks, dude, is a lot of money to a minor league team. It is. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel kind of – you know what? It, the, the thought reminds me of in Happy Gilmore when he gets his first check and he sees the, the winner and he's got the whatever $10,000 check and the big right. foam cutout check. He's like, hey, I want one of those. And so they go and he walks away with his giant check for whatever, $42. <laughs> but anyway, we won't do that. We'll just give him the check, take a Maybe picture. I'm just being too humble. You're a humble guy, and and that's that's why we get to do so well. It's because I kind of I kind of want the first pitch. I mean, you can throw out the first pitch for three hundred fifty bucks. Is that what it costs? I think it's two fifty. Oh, okay. Um, but anyways, you guys think maybe, guys- maybe Matt's just pocketing that Matt and right. Dominic. They're taking that money and going out and getting pizza. <laughs> they go, oh, those suckers. We told oh, them it was two hundred fifty right. bucks to throw out the first pitch. Right. They could have done it for a hundred. So that's so. Thank you guys once again. And we are still selling the shirts. And I, I retweeted the Luis Patino. I think today. Um, if you guys want to check out uh, the, you know, my, I'll tweet it out after this episode to make sure you guys can see it again. Um, thank you. As soon as Mackenzie Gore gets called up to Amarillo, I've got to shut that down. Uh, we'll see when that happens. But, but meanwhile, uh, thank you guys again. Uh, that's about it. All right, so uh, you can find me on Twitter. I am Roy at Zippy underscore TMS. And I am uh, SD Donovan. Go Padres. Go Padres.